This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. When interior designer Jana Rosenblatt had an 80-foot tree fall on her house, she saw the opportunity to create the customized home of her dreams. From Disaster to Dream Home provides you with the information and resources Jana wished she had during her rebuilding process. Now she's sharing with you the expertise of leading architects and home builders and the newest products and materials on the market. Here's your host, Jana Rosenblatt. Welcome back. We are continuing our conversation from last week with Doug Burge, AIA lead architect and owner of Burge Architects Malibu. Burge Architects is an architectural planning and consulting firm based in Malibu, California. Doug is on the cover of the spring 2021 issue of the Malibu Times Magazine, and he is here with us for a second in what we hope will be a series of conversations specifically about rebuilding after the recent Malibu fires. Today, we would like to talk about the budgeting part of the design process. When I begin working on my projects, I must work with the budget as has been established because the house design is complete and the plans have been approved for construction. Usually I'm hired just before or after the framing begins when everyone realizes that they'll need the plumbing roughs and the specifications for everything going into the construction process. I look at the plans with fresh eyes just as the builder and the client are narrowing their vision. Unless the client chooses to spend more on some great idea that I propose, most of the time I start, when I start, everyone is looking at uh, how they can save money or where they can cut the budget. Being creative within budget restrictions is a big part of my creative process. My next questions are about the budget um, and how it gets established. During the design and building process, are you as the architect, the one who breaks the news to the client about how much their insurance coverage or budget can afford? Uh, well, they're the ones that have the insurance policies. They have to share that with us. So we would then know that, like I said, some clients, uh, it wasn't a problem. They had really good insurance policies. And then I had to actually take a temperature of my, con uh, my contractors of what are we currently building for? And is there a way to save on that? What, 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 what are you saving? When you're rebuilding a house, if you think about it, um, everything under the ground typically didn't burn. Your foundations and uh, your septic system is still there. Uh, the driveway is still there. Um, a lot of your landscaping burned down. This fire was so hot, um, more so than the 93 fire, that it, it smelted uh, you know, uh, car tires, down, uh, rims down to the ground. It was just molten metal. Um, so what they had to do is that all the uh, foundations were basically, uh, they also uh, were ruined. So they were allowing us now to remove all the foundations. So uh, we couldn't save the old foundations, which was actually a better thing then because now we don't have to build exactly where the old house used to be. It just might've been in a terrible location on the property. Um, so the construction cost, we had to get a lock on, what are we building for? People ask me all the time, what does it cost per square foot to build a house? You know, prior to the recession, you could build a house for three or $400 a foot. I'm talking about the recession, 2009, 10. Um, and, and now it's like, can I build a house for 500 a foot? 
uh, you'd like to. Um, and then it's probably close to six or seven realistically. And sometimes you can build a beach house for over a thousand bucks a foot. So um, it's, it's knowing what the budget is, knowing what the insurance is, talking about it, and then knowing why you're designing and saying, I know you really like these nice windows, but you're just not going to be able to afford them. And mm -hmm. this product here is a really good product. Most of our products, 90, 95% of them, no matter what style of home now, we're using metal windows. Um, aluminum windows, uh, steel windows. Uh, it's rare we're using any kind of wood windows. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a maintenance thing there too, but uh, it's just understanding materials, understand the whole thing, understanding the exterior box, the circulation, how much we're air conditioning. Do you really need as much, even if the square footage the kids have moved away, do you really need an 8,000 square foot house anymore? Can you, can you live right. at 6,000? And, right. and we can save you there. I, I tell people there's two ways to make a budget. Very, very simple. It's called level of finish and scope of work. Scope of work is how much you're gonna build, let's say 4,000 square feet. Level of finish is whether it's a Formica counter or a granite counter, right? So it's the type of finish you put on that box. Um, it will determine, those two things will determine the, the cost. And so does the discussion about work, it sounds like working with the money is part of the discussion from the beginning, but do you start with some design ideas and, and learning about what they're interested in um, or the style or any of the creative stuff before you really start to break into, you know, figuring out where the money's going to go and, and how that money's going to work? Yeah. I mean, people are always interested. They want to get excited when they want to start this, you know, we'll figure out a way to, uh, to afford this, but show me, you know, you're hiring an architect to be creative and maybe to hire him to be your accountant. So not that some accountants aren't obviously super creative with your taxes. Um, <laughs> but I would say that um, you do want to get into that. One thing we're really known for in our office, or one thing I think I'm pretty good at is, is a basic space plan and understanding where things go and what rooms are. And again, I I'm, I'm, may have gotten their old floor plans and said, well, how was your house before? I'll look at it and I go, I can make major improvements on this without necessarily adding any square footage, but just getting rid of some hallways or having another way to do something. Um, so it is the layout. You want to get that established. Um, but again, don't think you're in a vacuum. There's other, might be on a, a steep uh, cliff that we have to think about the foundation systems where, you know, you're going to put a million dollars into the ground, the foundation, you haven't spent money on anything beautiful yet. Right. So we have to look at where the site is, and, and how we can make any changes getting to that side. We had to work with the fire department and had to work with all these different agencies. So it's all very encompassing, but yeah, the design is, people want to see the design uh, right away. Yeah, and I imagine that the, the foundation and the location and things like that are, are, the, are where people are underinsured. I mean, you're, uh, when you buy a house and it's already there and it's located and you insure the house how realistically is an insurance company or your insurance agent going to help you identify what it would actually cost to rebuild that house? Or is it more right. you know, a square footage of a house? Well, yeah, it's <laughs> the site is actually what creates a lot of these unknown costs because, you yeah. know, you can, you can be living on a flat lot somewhere in the Valley and it's going to be, Pretty simple house. You got that winding driveway that goes up 500 feet, or you have uh, utility issues, um, you have drainage issues, 
because, you know, Malibu is known for more of a kind of a wild, there's more open land and a little more rustic feeling and such. Not everything is like in a track. There's no tracks here. So everything is custom. Um, so it, it, it's pretty much a custom place. And again, you're rebuilding. So you're not going to, you're understanding that it's, you know, you'd love to think it's going to be the same process when you bought that house in 1980 or whatever, but it just isn't. Yeah. And uh, are you involved in any way with negotiations with the insurance companies? Is there any back and forth to bringing their awareness? Uh, there certainly was in the case of my house. Um, you know, we had to point out the damage, uh, uh, more extensive damage than they were looking at on the surface. Uh, and how does that work? Are you involved in that process at all? Yeah, actually, early on, um, I was on a lot of uh, there was insurance companies that wanted to have me on. Uh, there was some talks to the neighborhood and I would, they bring me on because I was a local architect and I could kind of explain. I was like the interpreter to the insurance company. The insurance company would talk about their claims and what they're meaning. And then, and then they go to me and say, well, what did they really mean? So then I was trying to help, you know, try to put it in and uh, cut the real language of understanding how that affects them. Um, and, and then even now today, we have a couple of people in our office that are pretty expert at this. Um, so they'll get the insurance information. There is uh, things that uh, in insurance, most insurance policies say that they allow you to do code upgrades and that's required. Uh, so whatever your per square foot right. house is, right. there's a replacement cost and it's a code upgrade. So between 1960 and, or 1980 and now, you know, we have a more stringent structural, your different septic systems, your energy codes are different. So upgrades and windows, doors, roofing materials. So you have about a 20 to 25% increase in your cost because you're able to do these upgrades. And so we have to be really in tune to what those are. So we'll establish it with a couple clients. And so when the other client asks us to do that, we're not starting over. We already have the template to, to, to do that. And so we'll give them our template. So in the case of the two projects that I just worked on in um, Oak Park, also Woolsey Fire Projects, the, it was the contractor, the builders that did the, created the budget. And there was some going back and forth with the architect to make the numbers you know, work with the design. In your case, it sounds like you're doing a lot of that budget work, but the builder at some point has to take that on and create a budget with which they will be committing to build that house. Uh, so where, how much of that is you and how much of that is your builders, the builders? Well, it's really both because, you know, they may say, well, uh, you know, I can tell you that it's going to be less for stucco than wood siding and they're going to give generic examples. Uh -huh. But in our case, we have to actually put them to those examples exactly into the plan. So, you know, they'll say, I know you want that beautiful 30 foot wide opening we're going to slide your doors into if you would just allow me to put a post one post halfway in between I can work with the engineer and save that so it's we call it value engineering it has to happen together um, and, and so those are the ones that to really make it worthwhile then you'll just have a meeting the structural engineer will be sitting across from the framer and then me or our project architect and the builder and then within a couple hours you, you should be able to hone that budget, which, which, without really changing the integrity of the design. Okay, so uh, so you have some um, rudimentary figures that you're working on based on your experience, and then you create the design, 
and then you um, bring that team together so, so that you can hammer out the design based on what the client and you have come up with as their goal of what they want to accomplish. And you, and you do that push and pull with the builder involved. Yeah, and the thing that that's interesting, and you know, I know everyone knows this, but you can have all great intentions, and, and this is you hire the architect, and then you start your job, you know, nine months later, or six months later, or a year later, and then you have a budget then. But is that really the budget when you're done, right? Because you know, SH stuff happens during construction, right? So right. Yeah. you know, you you have to then pad your number maybe 20% because, and we call those contingencies, right? There's that word contingency, Yep. Mm -hmm. but I'll put an SHA line item under contingencies because I'll say, you may think the contingencies are for you. Like if you want to upgrade to a nicer door handle or use Rocky Mountain hardware versus slag or whatever the upgrades you think you're making. I said, when the guy, the geologist starts digging or the, the grader starts digging for your foundations and where he thought bedrock was only three feet down because that's where the boring was. It's actually 10 feet down. Who's going to pay for that extra concrete? You, you mm -hmm. got to pay for it, right. but it come, that money comes out of it. was never in the original bid. So um, it's, it's that kind of surprises. And then at the end of the job, you're thinking, you know, you started the job with the architect at this, you start the job construction with, with X plus one, and then you have to finish it either at X equals zero or X plus two or three or four, that's where it gets crazy. So, you know, and it's, you know, the owner adds things, the, the builder had delays, there's weather delays, COVID hit, construction was shut down, not for a long time, mm -hmm. um, but it did affect some trade building departments, uh, got brutal because they could never go back to the office. They're still not in the office, all the counties and the cities, even though offices are ready to go. We never stopped working. We, we've been amazingly busy. We've, we've hired people during COVID because we've been so busy. Um, you know, and so many other professions are gone, right? I mean, so you had very well-to-do clients that lost their businesses, didn't know for how long, very, yeah, you would think, problem. how would you ever, how could you ever think that the restaurant's closing down unless you had bad food, right? So, right. Yeah. you know, they didn't have a choice. So yeah. it's people that own 20 restaurants. So they own office buildings and people that were very well-to-do clients that just called and said, I, I do, I can't, I got to put everything on hold. But as much as those people put stuff on hold, other people during COVID moved here uh, from other areas and kept Malibu a very busy uh, regardless of the fire rebuild situation. So, um, so a lot of the budget, uh, it goes toward the interior finishes, of course, which is, you know, where I'm usually involved. In your case, you've got someone in your office that's going to be uh, involved in that process. So a lot of those things are being decided in the process. So at a certain point, you really until you break ground and you have all of these um, other factors that you're just talking about, you have a fuller idea of what to really expect or is the budget created with allowances that then the client will go out and, you know, try to work within, you know, $25 a square foot for tile or um, whatever has been created. Yeah. I say that on any job is that just make sure your allowances are just friggin' real. I mean, don't yeah. think that, 
to your example, the $25 a foot. I mean, it used to be even custom wood flooring was $40, $50 a foot, but now we're getting these great engineered floorings and then we can all find them for, for 18 or $23 a foot. So, um, you know, it's just being realistic with that and, and every division, if you have the luxury of picking everything out, at least before you purchase it, um, your appliance package, your, your plumbing package, your, your, what kind of electronics you want in it, what kind of audio video, what, all these things, all electric blinds that didn't exist, you know, at, at right. a good level now. Um, and there's a huge number there. And then you have to know all that beginning because you better provide the slots for them. Otherwise, you get these kind of ridiculous valences. Right. So you so. include those conversations pretty early yeah. on in the game so that um, you can really take the best advantage of uh, technology and things like that in window treatments and, and in those finishings uh, as part of the overall picture. And so does that budget, is there is there ever actually a finished budget, even though things will change and you do need the contingencies and the and things like that. And if so, is that from your office or is that from your, the builder's office? Um, if some clients understand and they understand the value of us, then they want it to be from us because we're going to be a third party really representing the client. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, we're still maybe bidded out. We got three or four bids from various builders. We're trying to put them on the same spreadsheet. So they're apples to apples, the numbers. Because some person might just say finishes. Go for, what kind of finishes? Interior finishes, exterior finishes. What's the paint? What's the quality? What's this? What's that? Um, I, we, we do want to try to be the ones that have that. Uh -huh. uh, and, and understanding that, um, you know, there's the basic, we'll call it the shell. People, when they want to build the box, they get it done. And then they'll think about then there's their interiors. But there's a lot of overlap, you know, like the lighting and then the blinds. I, my example of... Um, you know, certain things on finishes, there's the, the window and doors. Yes, it's on the outside, but it's also facing the inside. Right. So you, you can't fool yourself. Uh, and, and again, a lot of clients are the uh, designer or they might be a developer or they don't need help. They're going to pick all that stuff up. They just want the shell. We call uh -huh. that a uh -huh. permit set of plans, but you know, more of a, a regular building or custom set of plans. You do need to know everything and bring that team in day one. Uh, fine. I mean, I'm not an ego guy. If we need to have everyone in on the, the room together, then we're going to design this house even with the team. Uh-huh. Um, so in closing for, for this episode, what would be your best advice for the client that's designing a new home uh, within their budget? What, what would be, if you were, you know, just kind of giving a little bit of sage advice, what would that advice be? If they want to... Um, stay within their budget and and uh, and uh, and then hire the architect and have the house turn out that way. So in that scenario, um, I don't know, you, you have to, you can't say, I'm gonna do all these things and expect them to be handed to you. No one, you can't think that you're gonna get some sort of deal. Um, you, you have to think of it as, can I live on less? Um, do I really need a 6,000 square foot house? Can I have a really nice house for three or four? I, I my wife and I have never lived in a house higher than 3000 feet. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like be realistic, but more so because you're going to get more out of that. Um, yeah. And so, and also look at it early on and be really look yourself in the eye and look at the project saying, are we really being smart with this or maybe we have to move? 
maybe maybe because we brought it up earlier in our conversation that some people said i know i want to rebuild here but we're just not going to be able to afford it so don't hire the architect don't do all these designs and then be disappointed where if you could figure that out in the beginning the more and sometimes it's a hard reality where you have to sell but then again maybe there's a reason that you sell maybe there's a reason that this fire is changing your life so Mm -hmm. look at that as again another opportunity not as a detriment um, and maybe they were able to sell. They had had it for a while. They didn't have any debt. They didn't have a mortgage, and you know they made a couple million dollars, and they got an insurance settlement, and they moved on, and they moved out of state. They moved somewhere else. That was an opportunity to push them out of state. So, I'm just saying, if you everyone has a budget, uh, even if you're a trillionaire, there's still a budget on a project. We work with all sorts of people, but it's just be be very very clear with your advisors, whether it's your spouse or your family or your financial people and say, should we really be doing this versus doing all these drawings and then look at it downsizing um, to possibly have a better lifestyle because you don't need as much, you're not heating as much, utility bills are less. So look at that as a serious option because people think they got to rebuild the same and they don't. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they really don't. And you can still have a beautiful, kitchen and a beautiful bathroom and the kids aren't there that often and maybe you don't need five bedrooms you need three and that's why they invented hotels and mm-hmm. airbnb and all that other stuff yeah that's um, very much in keeping with my philosophy too which is um more lifestyle doesn't necessarily mean more house it means making specific decisions based on your exact needs and um that has been my key to success and happiness uh, and, I could talk to you all day, uh, and but I don't get you all day, so <laughs> I need to wrap this episode up. Is there any other thought you want to add before I find a way to get you back for another uh, another session? Yeah, no, I think there's. I, I think on another session we can talk about altern- alternative alternative uh, new building uh, yes. methods and ways. Exactly. That's a separate discussion because we're doing the shipping container homes, we're doing prefab homes, we're doing homes made out of different materials, uh, more fire resistant uh, topics and, and different ways to better ways to build, different ways to build in your typical stick frame house. That's a separate discussion. Um, really in closing, I mean, even if you're, whether you live in a Malibu, if you, most of these, your listeners probably, whether they're from California or from areas, when we live in an area where there really is great weather, it's nice most of the time. Um, and this goes to the saying is like, it's that indoor outdoor feeling. You can have a 2000 square foot house and you have a 2000 square foot patio and a garden and everything else. And you, and you've just doubled the size of your living space. Don't think of your living space as inside. Think of your living space as everything you can use to live on your property. And, and so that is another kind of, Oh yeah, I haven't thought about that. Or it's like everything burned down. It's like, look how big my yard is now. So it's, <laughs> I didn't even see it before. Now right? I have so, a view that I didn't have before. Ah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's like, just think of it as a little different shift. Um, and the whole inside outside thing is exactly why we think we're successful in, in the way we're designing these homes and, uh, and take advantage of that. So that's no matter where you live, you can take most of our climates allow us to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, take advantage of it. Fantastic. Thank you so much. We will have all your contact information on our website uh, so people can find you. And uh, there's been a recent uh, wonderful article in the Malibu Times magazine that people can look up as well, which uh, talks to those um, container homes. 
So with that, I thank you again so much, and I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thank you for joining us on this episode of From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. Each week, we bring you time-tested practices and the latest trends through conversations with top professionals in the building industry. You can find other episodes of From Disaster to Dream Home at EWNPodcastNetwork.com, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and most other major podcast streaming services. Need design help? You can contact us or find out more about our guests at From Disaster to Dream Home. Until next time, let us guide and inspire you as you create the home of your dreams. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand, and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers, eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.